Welcome everybody to Nothing But Facts. Uh, today, this is the second stream in the month of Ramadan, and we are uh, going to be talking about the seventh call to the Mu'mineen uh, in this ayah, uh, uh, or in this book that has compiled all these calls to the Mu'mineen. Here you got the call uh, to the believers in the Quran. It's by Sheikh Ahmed Fatullah Jami, and or Jami. Uh, let's see where is he actually from. Is he Turkish? I think he's Turkish. So he's a Naqshbandi scholar, Hanafi scholar, Jami. I think he's actually a Turk. I think biography of the author. Yes, he's from Eastern Turkey. He's a Shafi, actually. Didn't know there was Shawafa in Eastern Turkey. And he uh, gathered the 89 times in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked about and bring the phrase, Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu. 89 times. And there's Ya ayyuhal nas, Ya ayyuhal nabi, Ya ayyuhal rusul. There's different nidas. And each one of them have their own uh, their own themes. Well, we're on the seventh one today, and that is, Ya ladina amanu, O you who truly believe, anfiqu mimma razaqanakum, anfiqu. It's called ikhfa, where the noon sakina, the noon that has a sukun on it, disappears basically into your nose. Anfiqu. Uh, and it's important for you to know that the rules of tajweed. Uh, noon sakina and tanween, when followed by the letter fa, and many other letters, it receives ikhfa. Huh? For the fa, preceded by fa, it's ikhfa. Preceded by yarmalun, ya ra, mim, lam, waw, noon, yarmalun, that's idram. Idram means it dives, it completely disappears into it. Min qabli that's idram, And now idram, human, from the yarmalun letters, yarmalun, ya ra, mim, lam, waw, noon. There's yumin, ya, waw, mim, noon. Those letters are idram with ghunna. That means you hold it a little bit. Min qabili an Okay, so that's uh, idram. Uh, iqlab, when it becomes a ba, the noon second, sorry, becomes a meme. The noon second or tenween becomes a meme when it's preceding a ba sakina. Am bi'hum. So the noon second or tenween becomes a meme. That's only one letter. Okay. And then there's Idhar, Hamzaha, Ainun, Rain, Haun, Kha. Those letters, no, Hamza, Ha, Ainun, Ha, Rainun, Kha. Yeah, same letters. I just said them in different order. Uh, those letters, you pronounce the Nun Saikina. En Khalakakum. En Khalakakum. Right, so uh, you pronounce those letters, and then all the rest are ikhfat letters. So you got to study tanween, and we have a free class on tanween at myarkview.org. So the ayah says, "Anfiqu mimma razaqnakum min qabli an yatiya yomun la bayyum fihi, wala khullatun, wala khullatun, wala shafaah, wal kafiruna humul zalimun." So this ayah, what it says is. That first of all, it affirms the concept and the idea that wealth is not ours. 
Wealth is Allah's possession that he has given us. That's a big difference from the concept, from other religions' concept of wealth. Right? It's a big difference. We have given you this wealth. So who, who does it belong to? It belongs to Allah. And another ayah is more explicit. Give them from the wealth of Allah that he has given you. So it is Allah's wealth that he's given to us. Right? So we are able to utilize it. But we have we can only utilize it the way he's commanded us to. So that's a, that's our concept of wealth, and that it's not our money. We're able to use it, but it's not ours. Allah can take it when He wishes. And if you think about it logically and by observation, what is wealth? All wealth today, let's say, is agreed upon. But what did that agreed upon money? What where did it come from? What's a chain of transmission of wealth? Any chain of transmission of wealth must eventually get back to something of the earth: gold, silver, bronze. Every single transmission, if you trace back money, it will always go back to something of the earth. Okay? And of the earth, did we make the earth? Did you create it? No. So the idea of wealth being Allah's, it's it's by observation too. So that's this chain of transmission of wealth. And the ayah is talking about charity and it the ulama discussed that is it zakah or sadaqah? It's both. It's sadaqah. And it's zakah. Both of them are. One is, so, anfiqu is fi'al amr. It's a command tense verb. What does it mean? Does it mean uh, uh, obligation? Does it refer to obligation? Does it refer to recommendation? When you have a command tense verb or a prohibition, you have to look at the context because it could refer to obligation. It could refer to recommendation or could uh, impute recommendation or even permissibility. For example, when the Prophet said in the verses, eat and drink. Is that obligatory? An obligation? No, it's permissibility, right? Or it's permissible to enjoy something. So command, uh, a command, I had commanded you not to visit the graves, now go visit them. Is it an obligation? No, it's recommend. It's recommendation or permissibility, right? It's permissible, really permissibility, right? What you do there may be a good deed but the command that in that sense the command tense verb of the prophet ﷺ refers to recommend uh, permissibility not obligation okay so uh ibn juraj and sa'id ibn jubair said the verse ref refers to the obligatory zakah okay and to tatawa or tatawa is what you give from yourself so Ramadan is not the month in general. It's not a month of zakah by sharia. It's a month of zakah by common practice of Muslims. That is the time where you give your zakah, right? Why? Because number one, all uh, deeds are rewarded extra. Number two, it's a time where you everyone's remembering to do things. It's like impossible to forget anything in Ramadan. So it's a good reminder. So you should really, most people put like the 20th of, of Ramadan as their day for zakah. The 20th of Ramadan is their time for zakah. Why? It gives you 20 days to prepare. It gives you 20 days to remember. So it's a reminder. I'm reminding everyone here to pay your zakah at this time. Zakah has to be paid in the form that it is. It's in. For example, if you have cash, you have to pay it in cash. If you have, uh, if it's in animals, you pay it in animals. 
right? So it's in the form that you have it, unless there's a cat collector, which we don't have anymore, ask for it in cash, then you give it to him, him in cash. If it's in beans, for example, or seeds, you give it in, in the form of beans, right? If it's a dry crop, you give it in the form of that dry crop. Again, unless the ruler asks for its value in cash. Except, the only thing is anything that has an oil, the farmer should give it in the form of oil. If, if, if anything could be pressed, you give it in the form of oil. So, for example, olives. You don't give it in the form of olives. You give it in the form of olive oil because that's where the value is. The value is in olive oil, not in olive, uh, the meat of the olive. You should always look at the nisab and make sure you reach the nisab. The nisab of silver, if you calculate your zakat by silver, then you reach the nisab much easier. If you calculate your zakat by gold, and there's an option. When you have currency, you can calculate it however you want. Currency is treated as gold and silver. Then you could give the zakat in the form of silver or gold. doesn't make a difference. Uh, or you treat it as gold or silver. Shafi'iyah like to treat it as silver because it's better for the poor. That means more people will give zakat. And the Madakiyah, usually they said gold, right? They don't. Uh, the Shafi'i is unique is that in any sense, in, at every turn, he'll favor the poor. Well, that's not the case with all the scholars. But in every sense, he'll favor the poor. All right. In his words, Allah says, so you do this before the day comes on the day of judgment where there's no deals. There's no bayah. You can't strike a deal on this day. There's no more striking of deals. There's no buying yourself out. And no friend will benefit you. And on this day, people who sin together, people who disobeyed Allah together will be enemies. You help me do this. You you are the ones who encourage this. You're going to be enemies. And shafa'a. Wait, how is there no shafa'a when we know that there's shafa'a? Shafa'a the Prophet, there's shafa'a of other people. It's the Prophet him, initiates the shafa'a, but many other people will uh, can also give shafa'a. Right? So what happens is that what it was saying shafa'a here, there's no shafa'a for whom Allah doesn't want. You cannot initiate the shafa'ah. What Allah is saying here is correcting your aqidah on shafa'ah. All shafa'ah comes from Allah. Nobody can mend the ladhi yashfa'u indahu illa bi'idni. Allah says. No one who intercedes on his behalf except that he had permitted in the first place. If you ask then, well, what's the point of Allah permitting shafa'ah? If in fact the person, if Allah wanted to forgive him, why not forgive him? Why use an intercessor? Well, shafa'ah is... When Allah, when this person has done so much wrong that Allah Himself will not speak to him, Allah Himself will not speak to him. He will not directly give him forgiveness, and the shafa'a must go to. But he sends somebody. So, it's very similar to if a kid gets in trouble. If you ever had this in your family, one kid is in trouble, right? But the parent won't talk to him. So the parent says, "All right, go. You go. Uh, go. Go. Give this plate of food to your brother." Go tell your brother if he does this one more time, this, that, and the other, right? So that's the idea of shafa'a is the concept that that person had angered Allah so much that Allah himself will not speak to him. Okay, so that's shafa'a. But so when Allah says, la khulla wa la shafa'a, you don't initiate the shafa'a. Your initiation of shafa'a won't work. Your shafa'a will only come to you if Allah permits it. All right. All friends on that day are enemies. 
the default state of people is not to do acts of righteousness together. That's not the default state of human beings. So taqwa here is the exception. You have to go out of your way to, to act upon taqwa. How? You have to know what taqwa is in the first place. You, you got to know what, what to do. You have to have knowledge. Like, what are we going to do together? And that's, isn't that all, all what we're about? Hey, the YouTube, uh, Hassan Masar is asking if the YouTube is going to go up, right? YouTube should be up, by the way. That's the Fina side. Yeah, they're commenting. They're there. Okay. So the issue of taqwa, taqwa is something that requires knowledge. You got to know, well, what is taqwa? What can we do together as taqwa? So it requires not. So it's not a natural state. The natural state to be, if you leave human beings as is, they're not going to suddenly behave with taqwa. It has to come with a revelation and it has to have a chain of transmission and it has to be some outside force, another human being coming and educating us on what our deen is and what action of taqwa is. That's the only relationship that matters. See, we're not like animals. Animals are born and with the instinct built in them, they live out their life perfectly the way they're supposed to be but the human being he requires an outside force and that's why in our deen seeking knowledge is so important and and going traveling out to see the shiuch and to meet them and to take from them is so critical we are not going to know this stuff by ourselves it's not a fitri thing fitri meaning innate like animals and bees and, and and birds it's innate for them angels it's innate for them it's not innate for us if you leave human beings innately they will have some good qualities and they will have a lot of bad qualities and their end will be not, not be good. So we're in desperate need of doing this unnatural thing of reading, of asking people knowledge. We're the only species that lectures. We're the only species, if you think about it, where one person gives a lecture and everyone writes down what they're saying. right? And so all of that, the Senate goes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who imparts that knowledge into the hearts of prophets, beginning with Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam and then Sayyidina Jibreel. Why did he hold the prophet so tightly? What was that tight hold of the prophet, peace be upon him? That was an imparting of knowledge because he did it three times, each one successively tighter than the other. And then he said, So he was imparting the light into the prophet salam, that would allow him to receive the first revelation. So this knowledge is a light. Imam Malik said, Al-ilm, nur. Knowledge is a light. When he saw people writing so much, he said, why do I see you just over excessively taking notes? Why do you I see you writing like this? This is not the way we did things. We listened. We remembered what we could. We practiced it. And by practicing it, Allah gave us a light. A nur. That's the way of knowledge in Islam. You listen. You remember what you remember. Of course, writing notes is not wrong. But what he was noting is that they were excessive about it. Writing every single detail. He said, listen. Just listen. Remember what you remember. Then go home and practice it. That practice will result in a nur that enters your heart. Okay. In a nur that enters your heart. So uh, that's our way. And that's uh, the difference between human beings and animals. And juhal. The juhal of the human beings can be worse than animals. The ignorant of the human being. They're like animals. No, they're worse. Human being without knowledge is worse. And he says, All their aims and purposes and connections will be finished at that time. So any all connections, all aims, all purposes between human beings will come up and be revealed to be a negative force, something that they regret, except for relations and actions that brought about taqwa. Okay, 
He then says, Then on the day of resurrection, you will reject each other's help. People will say, hey, it's me. And you'll reject him. Or not you, but let's say the wrongdoer, the kafir. He will reject him. Even if it's family. Hey, mom. Not mom. Get away from me. I got my issues. Okay. Not only that, she's going to curse her son back. Or vice versa. Whatever it is. Friends, sons, mothers, husbands, daughters. Daughter runs to her father for help. He sends her away. You live together, encourage sins together. And encourage disobedience together. So that's the result. You're the ones who brought this upon yourselves. So they become enemies to one another. Any two people, if you think thieves, for example, when they rob a bank, don't they always fight afterwards? They fight for the money, right? Or they have some fight. Yeah, because this is not a relationship. It's a relationship built on crime. So you think the person in front of you is going to be honest? The whole relationship is built upon encouraging people to break the law. So how guys, how can you guys have an agreement between the two of you? Like what, what, what did you expect? Do you expect him to upkeep it? There's a law of a land he didn't upkeep, which is far greater than your law. So that's why thieves, they always fight at the end of the day, right? Everyone who's together built, any relationship built upon what is haram, that relationship will break up eventually. We have no intercessor nor any close friends. So again, when, when we're negating intercession, it's the negation of intercession from yourself that you initiate. You cannot initiate it on the Day of Judgment. No friends. No supporters. Later, or, uh, earlier in Surah Al-Baqarah. No shafa'a. <clears throat> Every human being has on the day of resurrection an affair that will keep him busy. SubhanAllah, it's very important to have an individual private relationship with Allah. Your relationship with Allah should never be related to other people. It should always be very personal. Why? On the day of judgment, we stand as individuals in front of Allah, not as a groups. You're not going to say, oh, my mom said, my dad said, this was me. No, when you come, and this is, it's such a free. Many people, they view their entire life relative to the dominant figure that's in their family. Let's say their father domineers over them, or their mother domineers over them, or that later on his wife may dominate over him. So he only views life as whatever she would please her, whatever would be acceptable to her. Okay, She doesn't view life as just herself. Okay, So that issue is here, Allah is telling you, on Yom Al-Qiyam, you're going to stand by yourself. In front of Allah. So practice that here in this Hayatid dunya. Practice it in this world. You're going to stand in front of Allah Ta'ala by yourself in the Akhirah. So this life, remember, that doesn't mean live individualistically, but spiritually, you should know your relationship is with Allah by yourself. Of course, practically speaking, we always interact. We we have to interact with others. We have a jama'ah here. We have to be interacting with others. Okay. Next ayah about this topic of Akhirah. This is a beautiful book that it brings you all the ayat 
related to the topic. So he says, on that day, when you behold it, every nursing mother will forget her nursling and every pregnant one will be delivered of her burden. And you will see mankind as drunken, yet they will not be drunk. But the doom of Allah will be strong. Okay. So even the nursing woman. So what does this describe? This describes the actual moment of the end times on this earth, not the day of judgment. On this earth, there will be a moment in time in which there is the last uh, earthquake that finishes off human life on earth. And that earthquake is described here that the mother who is nursing her baby will toss her baby. Like how much fear? Because it's not just an earthquake. An earthquake, you might say a mother will carry over her baby. No, such a, a, a dread comes down upon the people along with this earthquake. That's it. The end of time is here, meaning the end of this life on earth for human beings. And you will see people from the dread that is coming down. Who knows? This, is this taking place over the span of minutes, over the span of an hour, over the span of two hours? Allah knows best. Like, what is the actual qiyamah happening, right? Is it going to happen, the actual end of time, does it happen over the span of, of, of some days or of some moments, right? So people will be walking drunk, but they will not be drunk. They will appear as if they were drunk. That's how scared and uh, uh, in a state of dread that they will be in. That is the actual moment in which that happens, and there will be no moment on the earth at that time, Prophet Sallallahu said. That all of the mu'minin will have gone with the generation of Sayyidina Isa. Uh, a cool breeze will come and take the souls of the believers all peacefully, and there will be no more believers left on the earth. It implies spend in obedience to me, since those who do not believe in me are spending in disobedience. So spend your money for the dawah, spend your money for the deen. We have to constantly be in a state of... And the da'wah has many forms. There are many forms of da'wah. Uh, and that's one of the things that we're trying to do here with Safina Foundation. Is that we want to have a spot in the masajid. So we have our, we have our local community. Where we, we interact with the people who walk in every day. The youth, everybody. We then have uh, the, soup, the da'wah center. Which is in the heart of the city. And inshallah, we're going to have a this going to launch next year a pilot program, which is going to be like what we're calling the House of Wisdom. It's going to be our seminary. That's going to be our place of peace and tranquility because you can't do the same things in every place. If you're involved in the Dawah, you're too busy, right? But the, 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 the seminary element has to be in a place that is where people can just go and study and just go and reflect. And, and not have work, not have jobs. It'll be probably maybe a little distance off where the land is cheap, okay? Not too far off. Like you should be able to do around every day if you needed to. And right really quickly, we have land here in New Jersey. South Jersey or something where we have land is cheap. 35 minutes drive south. That's not, 35 minutes is not bad at all, right? 35 minutes and cheap land and you build a beautiful Andalusi style building and you bring in the fuqaha and this is not dawah it's just your own training like a monastery almost right just completely uh at peace with everything and the dawah center is where everything's going to be happening sometimes you need that you need your kick you need your fix right and then the masjid is something else it's where the families come 
So we're going to have, and then you have your online stuff, which is the studio and everything. So the dawah has different facets to it. And that's the beauty of it. If you just did one, it, you wouldn't be satisfied, right? It's like Islam, the deen itself. If you just do one aspect of the deen, it wouldn't be satisfactory. You feel like you're missing something else out. You'd be like exercising your biceps, but not your legs. So we need all these different facets. And we ask Allah Ta'ala to bring us the people that are going to help us do this and, and put it together. But keep your eye out as the Dawa Center starts to really solidify in its in its in its work and expand systematically, the the next phase is going to be inshallah out of the seminary. And it will be a pilot program first, which we're calling the House of Wisdom. It's a pilot program. Uh, and we're going to probably launch this, you know, in a few months. It's going to take a while. We're going to get a couple things in order. But that's to give you an idea of the balance that we want in our dawah, in, in our work. Next, he says, how are we doing on time? It's now 1.56. All right, we'll wrap this up. We're almost done here. We'll wrap this up. What's up? We are studying from the book called The Call to the Believers in the Clear Quran by Ahmed Fatullah Jami, Turkish scholar, Shafi'i scholar, Aqsabandi. The tafsir essentially of the Medinan verses that speak to the believers. 89 times Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. All right. What is Allah telling us here? He's like, without any sense of faith, why would you give your money away? And, huh? It's on Mecca Books. This is on Mecca Books. You can get it from Mecca Books. Right? Why would you give your money away? That's basically what he's saying here. Like, it's over, all over and over. Explain to me what would cause someone who has no faith in the afterlife and no belief that God will replenish his source of wealth to give out their money. So human beings need fear, uh, greed, and then finally love. Those are the three motivations the Prophet gave us. If you don't, the first is fear. A Muslim may not give out his money until he's told, right? You're, you're going to be punished for, by Allah for not paying zakah. You're gonna, your money is going to be cursed if you don't pay the zakah. So he may, out of fear, pay the zakah. Then you may have someone, he won't. He doesn't want to give charity. He's a capitalist until you convince him, hey, listen, you can make, Allah will give you more if you give charity. And then finally, once a person comes to know Allah truly, those two motivations are weaker and they're almost displaced by the motivation of pure love. Right, the motivation, once a person knows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by interacting and, and with dua, I made dua and it worked. I prayed and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supported me. I needed help and I got my help. I wanted something for myself and for my life and Allah gave it to me and extra. I wanted something I never imagined I could possibly have and yet Allah provided it for me. So all these reasons, a person, that's mu'amala ma'Allah. That's interaction with Allah. Once you have enough interactions with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will come that your main motivation will be the love of Allah. Any fear or desire is going to be less. And that's those are the that's the path of the Arifina Billah. All right, we'll stop here and we will take, inshallah ta'ala, we will go with uh, a little QA.
preferably on the topic of sadaqa and zakah. It won't be too technical of zakah, but we do actually have a video from last year with Sheikh Taha Abdel Basir in which he went over zakat very thoroughly. We should probably start posting that around. Maybe we should post it on WhatsApp. And it has a whole bunch of um, questions on everything you can imagine, from your Bitcoin to everything else. So there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. All right, Ryan, why don't you kick it off? Who is eligible for zakat? Who is eligible for zakat? Anybody who does not possess the wealth of one year. That means you are insecure. Some of the contemporary fuqaha said that that would include like a contract. Like if you have a job contract, that's that's included, right? So you're fine. You're secure. Anyone who is so insecure, they don't have the wealth of a year. That's the bare minimum of someone who can accept zakat. Gary Payton says, uh, I'm traveling. Can I shorten? Can I fast but shorten the prayers? Yes, you can. That's the sunnah. It's better to fast and it's better to shorten the and it's sunnah to shorten the prayers. It's actually sinful if you don't shorten the prayers. You should shorten your prayers because it's a confirmed sunnah. Okay, uh, Ryan. Okay, we have two Umrah questions. Mm -hmm. Is there more reward in doing Umrah on Thursday night in Ramadan? Thursday, Thursday night is really special time for Umrah. So I would always try to make your, your Umrah on a Thursday night. And inside of Ramadan, we'll even double that. Uh, amplify, I should say, that reward. It will amplify that reward, for sure. No doubt about it. Okay, and also, how much hair should men cut after Umrah? After Umrah, a clipping is enough. You wrap a finger of hair around your finger, like a lock of hair around your finger, and clip that off. Is there more reward for the whole thing? Um, is there more reward for shaving the head? Um, I'll double check. I know for Hajj, for sure. Hajj, for sure, there's more reward for shaving your whole head. But is that the case for Umrah? I have to double check for you. Shahida says, I was wondering, does Safina Saadi have female teachers? Yes, we do. We have a um, female teacher who teaches fiqh essentials. Her name is Hala Amir. You can watch her videos at my arc view. And she teaches the girls, but also some of the moms attend her class too. So she teaches the basic fiqh, uh, fiqh essentials is, uh, is the name of her course. You can check it out on my arc view basic. So you go to myarcview.org and get, get on to basic and look for Hala Amr. And will the med, uh, the curriculum go through all the madhabs? Yes, it will go through all the madhab, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, have the books been sent out yet? SubhanAllah, these people have driven me absolutely nuts. They, we sent it out. The, we redid all the orders three times manually. Manually, all the orders. And there's a woman named Megan that I'm talking to from Lulu Press. And she recently, I said to her, um, could you just double check, go into the orders, see if the orders are fine? Some of them have went out. Two have went out already, right? So this Lulu Press thing is driving me mental. But uh, I'm going to check. I'll check it again and um, and get back to everybody. But they 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 this time around, everything was marked. Shipping was marked, marked as paid, et cetera, et cetera. Does sadaqa increase ijab of dua? A thousand percent. Sadaqah does. A thousand percent. H. Baz says, what's the balance between giving your, all your money away and not being too extreme? Because you have to, you have rights on yourself. You have, your family has rights over you. 
Your kids have rights over you. Your body has rights over you. And so uh, nobody should be giving all their money away. And if someone swore that oath, then one third is enough. And even that is a lot. So um, why? Because you don't want to do something like that rashly and then regret it afterwards. Right. So charity is something that it's always better to, 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 to you, what you want to do is not regret it. Uh, what Allah says, um, a good word to somebody and then that person forgives you, right? Is better than doing a good deed to them and then having to do a bad deed to them, right? Doing something good to them and then doing something bad to them. That's uh, like, for example, uh, uh, giving charity to somebody and then reminding them, hey, what did I, I gave you so much, right? Doing that's what is adha. Sadaqa, it's bauha adha. That's followed by harm. All right. Um, Ryan, what you got? How do we uh, tell that Maghrib and Fajr are in? How do you tell if Fajr and Maghrib are in? Yeah, like by the sun. Okay, well, you have to, first of all, be in a place that's clear and the sun has to come up you, you're going to see just the light of the sun okay i have a picture of it here this is essentially what fajr looks like it's the light of the sun coming up not the sun itself and that that light that's obvious fajr right that's very obvious that it's in if you continue to do this you do this like for a year or less than that even you're going to start seeing that light when it's very faint and that's when fajr is in and the disappearance of that light in the western horizon is when maghrib is in uh, sorry the disappearance of the, uh, of that light is when aisha is in the disappearance of the sun is when fajr is in when the sun fully goes under the earth, the the earth the horizon i mean that's when maghrib is in when the light is totally gone that's when aisha is in you mentioned that one has to pay zakat in the same form is that mandatory yes uh what's the hanafi view i don't know about the hanafi view about that but for uh, for example if you have cash you pay zakat in cash you don't pay zakat in bread for example that you buy zakat al-fitr is different we're talking about zakat al-mal zakat al-fitr we'll talk about that later but zakat al-mal if i have cash i have to give the person cash i don't give them for example food or pay their rent for example um, paying their rent paying their utility bees uh, fees or, or bills doesn't count you have to give it to it's their money they can pay their bills or they could buy sneakers if they want whatever they want to do or they could buy food whatever that you let them decide that all right ryan um is there any way to know your dua is about to come into fruition Usually there are signs that of, of the coming of, of a dua, but we never know when. We never know when. For example, if a woman wants a baby, right? She's praying for a baby. Well, there's going to be muqaddimat for that. There's going to be churches for that. Like what? Like Obviously, she's got to get married first, right? And she's got to get pregnant. So on and so forth. So you'll see the signs of, of a person's the, the dua manifesting into 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 this world what is the best way to deal with waswasa you have to ignore it waswasa has to be ignored and if it's waswasa about the existence of allah then you should do dhikr of la ilaha illallah if it's waswasa about something related to the prophet then you read the seerah 
and make salah on the messenger. If it's waswasa about a person, the best thing is just to go talk to the person, right? And and clear the air. Zarek says, if a woman regularly has istihada, will she have to perform wudu before every salah? The answer is no. She only if a woman has istihada, or a man is salis al That means they have bleeding beyond menstruation and urination or drops coming out of him without his choice. So he wakes up and he makes wudu. Then he, it's recommended only to make wudu for every salah. And he would make uh, wudu, he'd be obligated to make wudu when he intentionally breaks his wudu. So those are the rules of istihada and salas. Is that you wake up, you make wudu. When you intentionally break wudu, you're obligated to make wudu. But otherwise, it's merely recommended for you to make wudu for every salah. Kozi Chloe says, if you have time for a random question, why does Allah swear on stars and other things like that? What's the purpose? Uh, swearing, the swearing of a human being is uh, by Allah. The swearing of Allah is by his creation. Anything that Allah swears by is an immense creation. So that's why it is a type of study. There's probably, I'm sure someone gathered a book on everything that Allah swore about in the Quran. And his statement that he will not swear about something is a rhetorical swearing. I will not swear by this city. All right. So that's a rhetorical swear. And he's basically heightening your attention that what is to come is very important. That's the idea of swearing, that what is to come is more important than normal speech. That's the concept of swearing. Okay, waswasa should be ignored unless it's waswasa about Allah. Then it must be you must do a lot of dhikr of la ilaha illallah. If it's waswasa about uh, wudu, you ignore it. You just make your wudu once. Waswasa about salah, ignore it completely. You're supposed to ignore all of these waswas uh, about ibadat. And what's the limit? If you if it gets it if you get it every day, then you're muwaswas or mustanka hushak. Mustanka hushak means someone who is always in doubt. So that you may be, your mind may be so busy that you may actually forget every day you forget what rakah you're in. Or someone who's making a lot of dua, their sujood is really long. So they forget what sajda they're in. So they, they just have to, if it happens every single day, they ignore it. Ryan, you got a question? Are pensions included in zakah? The pension, if it's wealth that you placed that is out of your control, but you placed it in, in there, then it is zakatable wealth. H. Baz says, what's the balance between... Oh, we answered this question. Khala White. May I know where to access the free Tajweed class again? Sure. It is myarkview.org. M-Y-A-R-K-V-I-E-W dot org myarcview.org go under the free classes and you'll see and what i like about the that is that you can track which lectures you follow there's a little blue stripe to show you how far you watched i'm struggling to get over people who have disappointed us verbally forgiving them making dua for them but feels like 
I'm just doing it because it's recommended. You don't have, you're not obligated to forgive someone who abused you. You can just wait until the day of judgment to get justice, or you can get justice in this world. But you, you should clear your heart. It's not good for your heart. So you could not necessarily forgive somebody, but clear your heart and wait for your compensation later, either in this life or the next. How do you deal with, I guess, blank Muslim modern feminist women explaining the traditional woman in Islam, dot, 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 and I don't know where the question is going or went. Okay. But he's basically against the feminists. Huh? Yeah. How do you deal with blank? I'm not going to say it. Muslim modern feminists. Women. When explaining the tradition woman in Islam. That's the question. That's all it is. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I'm not going to say what he actually said, but um, I don't understand why we need any of these movements when we have the son of the Prophet and his wives. Not only that, because someone say, oh, that's 1400 years ago and we're today. Fine. We don't have shiuch. We don't have sheikhs that have wives that live in the modern world that we live in. That's why senad is so important. Isnad is so important. There are shiuch in England. And America and Canada, who are generations older than us, I could just ask them: How do you guys do? How do you manifest? How do you how do you navigate these things? How do you manage this, that, and the other? Like what what's acceptable, what's not? not all the shiuch, granted, there's not a lot of shiuch, but they're not they're not all going to be wrong. They all lived in the same world that we live in. Even in the other countries, some countries like Egypt have all these movements. Turkey. The, the big cities, Istanbul, Damascus, they have all these movements and they've dealt with it, right? And they lived, they coexisted with it, maybe resisting some parts and forgiving other parts or allowing other parts, right? Or being flexible with parts of a movement. Socialism came, feminism came, capitalism came, all these movements. The scholars of Damascus, Istanbul, Cairo, they've all lived with it. They've resisted some parts of it. And they've overlooked other parts of it. And they may even be happy with other parts of it, that it's spurring something good. And we could just go back to our sources and revive what is good through our sources. So that's how we operate. That's how we act about it. We're not, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, Hassan Madhar says, regarding iftar, do you break your fast right at Maghrib for 15 degree calculations or a few minutes after? I always look at the calendar, the and I wait about three minutes, maybe five minutes. Why? Because I don't know who wrote that calendar. Why, how could I make taqlid, blind imitation of somebody I don't know? But if I'm in a masjid, the, the mu'adhin, we will follow the mu'adhin. So I won't be in a mosque, and the uh, imam, is, the mu'adhin is giving the adhan, and say, I don't, I don't trust him. And wait, that's not right. If he's, he's the timekeeper of the mosque, and the matter is on him. Moro Blanco says, if you could start any business uh, for wealth and to help the ummah, what would it be? Ryan, what would your business be? Um, yeah. My friend last night and telling me, like, yo, yo, we got to start a business. I was like, all right, all right we got to do something that's going to, like, be meaningful. He's like, 
Kareem and Ryan's falafel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, no. It's oh. So rude, Food business, huh? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, to be honest with you, what business I would start. Uh, I, I probably, it depends how much capital you have to start with. I would love to start buildings. I'd love to design buildings on the inside. Maybe, um, maybe restaurants, right? Maybe real estate buildings. Kafara business. Kafara business. $60 kafaras. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know that these, these restaurants, I told them that they should get tickets and receipts and they should be, it should be like a Fidia ticket, right? Fidia slash kafara so that I can go up to your restaurant and say, here's a wad of cash. Give me the tickets, right? Food stamps. Islamic food stamps, kafara food stamps. Take that and you give that to the poor people who need it. And those miskeens can go up to the restaurant and hand in the kafara ticket and get a sandwich, right? Get a burger and fries and a drink. What if someone has gold and they calculate the value in gold and pay 2.5% on the market value? That's how you do it. That's how you do it. You go and you you pay. You're not gonna. You don't have to pay from your gold. You can pay cash. Cash, gold, and silver are all one, right? So you're not gonna go and pay chip chip off a piece of your gold, right? You take a ruler, measure what's one fortieth of my gold, and then get a little chisel and hammer away at your gold bullion. No, you just take the value of that and pay that in cash. I read that reading salawat opens doors we thought were locked, and there was no way to make something happen 100% true excessive salawat can change that is that true it's 100% true a salah on the messenger and dua will even dua you're just calling on the 99 names or one of the names that you feel that you need right now will open up doors that didn't even exist because that's that's you have a creator who creates from nothing that's the beauty of it that's who you're dealing with. That's why we have khushua. I'm, I'm dealing with a creator who creates from nothing. This is huge. That's why we follow his law. Whatever Allah tells us, we accept it. Because what we can get from this creator and what we can lose from this, from missing out on this creator. It's not just getting. It's also what we could lose. What we already have, we could lose it if we're not in line with this creator. So uh, Khalal White says, or Halal White says, Will this be saved? Yes, it's saved on Instagram and on YouTube and on Facebook. But the YouTube is Safina Society. Brian, what you got? Okay, we have a mutual question from Thomas and Sunshine. Okay, um, Sunshine. Okay. Do we have to pay his account on the 401k? And given that it's there's penalties for removing it before retirement age. Yeah, you don't have to remove it, but you owe Zakat on it. Uh, because the 401k is that something you put in there willingly by your own hands. Now you can't remove it, so you don't remove it, but you could pay it from else from another source. It doesn't have to be from that account itself. What do you say, says Rhonda OG, about other scholars and say someone must make up their fast and pay fidya if they're pregnant and breastfeeding in the month of Ramadan? We say about those scholars that they are correct. Not pregnancy and breastfeeding. You are not fasting due to somebody else, right? Not due to yourself. You're not sick, but you have to eat for somebody else. Now, the pregnant woman, if she's sick, 
then if like the pregnancy is causing a sickness, then she is sick. But if it's she's totally fine, but the doctor is saying you have to eat for the baby and you can't fast, same thing with breastfeeding, then you're breaking your fast for somebody else. Who else is in this category? The surgeon, the driver, the bus driver who's got passengers. Like he's not traveling, but he's driving the city the whole day and he's got passengers and he's swerving because he can't wake up and he's about to faint from fasting. All of those professions and that type of woman who's pregnant and breastfeeding, they will break their fast, but they they owe a qada and a fidya. Why? Because they broke for somebody else, not for them. Okay, They didn't have the excuse. Somebody else had the excuse. Or they're doing it to save somebody else's life. What if one has gold and they ascertain the market value if of gold and then pay 2.5% of the value in cash? Yes, that's correct. If parents occasionally say they are pleased with their daughter, but the daughter feels she doesn't behave with bir, is a standard how parent feels? It's all about how the parent feels. You may be the worst daughter, but your parents easy going. They forgave you. Good for you. It's all about how the parent feels. However, there's also dhulm there, and there's Allah knows. So sometimes you have a perfectly good kid, and the parents are just upset. They're just angry with him. Then Allah knows. So don't. It's not Allah can override that. If it's come something completely unreasonable. All right, Ryan, what you got? Hello, sir. I've been feeling lost for a while. Could mm -hmm. you please give me an advice, please? Uh, I've been feeling lost for a while. The hospital of the hearts is the mosques. Go to different mosques. Meet people. Talk to people. Nothing is better than face-to-face -face human interaction. And this is the month of Masajid. The Masajid are packed. There's iftars. Go there. Meet, make friends. The masajid is the hospital of the heart. Allah is worshipped there. Knowledge is given out. You'll, you'll hear lectures. You'll hear talks. You'll hear the word Allah. You'll see other Muslims. You'll see people very pious who'll be inspired by them. Quick Easy says, if Allah didn't want to accept your dua, he wouldn't have guided you to make it. That is one of the strong statements of the scholars. Sheikh Rajab al-Deeb, he has a lecture that I listen to all the time, subhanAllah, in which he says, that saying, if you have not, if you hadn't wanted this for me, you wouldn't have inspired me to say it. If you had not wanted me to say this prayer, you would not have inspired me to say it. When Allah has inspired you for a certain prayer, it's because He's already prepared the matter for you, and He's preparing you to receive the matter by praying for it. So it is a concept that if I'm praying something for something all the time, it must be because it is Allah Ta'ala who is, he has prepared that thing for me. And this is getting myself mentally ready for it. Ryan? Are you going for Hajj this year and why is it so expensive? I'm going for Hajj and I don't make up the numbers. Sorry. Um, I, don't, I am going for the Hajj at Ihya, but it's not me who... Ryan, did you make up your mind? Are you coming? Huh? What what is the package? Fifteen? Fourteen? That's a that's a like uh inflation, I guess. Is it the Ukraine war? Gas prices of the air of the airfare? Haji, 14, 15, that would never have happened like only a few years ago. 10 was, 
if you hit f six digits, 10, uh, five digits, that was a lot. 15 was they call it executive package where you have shrimp and a masseuse, I guess, at Minna. Uh, escaping purgatory says she wants to escape purgatory or he just joined. Please forgive me if this is off topic. How do I pay back missed prayers in Maliki Fik by redoing them, overestimating them and finding a daily routine like praying every prayer twice, for example? What age do you start from and how should you calculate? I'm sure about the years I missed. Try to calculate. When did you hit puberty? When did you have your first wet dream or your first period? Let's say, uh, say, oh, well, man, I have no clue. Well, 15 could be. Well, definitely 15. 14, maybe. 13, maybe. 12, definitely not 12. So start from 13, right? Because you said definitely not at the age of 12. You were definitely not 12 years old when you hit puberty. Let's say if you're a boy. So then start it from age of 13, right? So calculate when is your next birthday and calculate that number of years. Make it flat, flat number of years, okay? Mark your calendar and then do that, those prayers, do every salah twice. So your obligatory prayer, that is your praying now, adat, and then your makeup prayer, qada. So the two, you have to know two words, adat, prayer on time, or any act of worship done on time, qada, makeup. Make sense? All right, Ryan, anything? Yes. We have a question from a 13-year-old, IS4 underscore smiley face. Uh -huh. He says, I'm from the UK. I started fasting at school. Are there any tips and methods to stay motivated when doing exams? And Thomas warned him about not getting a good job. Okay, so he's saying that how do I stay motivated when I am taking exams and I'm fasting at the same time? So the answer to that question, that brother, is to realize that Allah will send you malaika to help you. That's true. Allah will send you malaika to help you. All right? And if you are completely lost, you say, Ya ibadallah, a'inuni. O angels of Allah, come and help me. Who taught us this? The Prophet ﷺ. He taught us that if we are lost, meaning in any danger, any trouble, there are angels there for our help. Someone's taking that shit. Well, you are allowed to ask anyone for help, right? Just because they're unseen does not change that fact. And that is from the command of the prophets, I said. The prophet is the one who guided us. He said, if you are stuck in the desert, for example, who acted upon this? Imam Ahmad acted upon it. He was lost at Hajj. And he said, yeah, ibadallah, dulluni ala tariq. Why? In imitation of what the prophet said until he found the tariq. So asking for help is human we're human beings if we're if we feel that there are other created things like humans or angels around us like in the battle of badr allah says he sent you angels he didn't have to send you angels allah did not have to send angels at the battle of badr he could have finished them by himself but he sent angels because it gives sakina to the heart of people so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, wants us to seek help from other people such as if if, if i'm doing the job I can ask someone for help. It's complete. It's good. Why? Because it builds bonds between the ummah. Why doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just give us knowledge from by doing a lot of worship and we get inspired and we see dreams of knowledge and all the fiqh comes to me in, in my head in a dream. Why? Because Allah wants you to go to a scholar. By going to a scholar, you build bonds. So there's value in coming together. 
And just because something is unseen does not mean it's as there as the seen. That's what the prophet is saying. The, the angels are, are as much, they, they are right there with you as much as other human beings are. So it's the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya ibad Allah, a'inuni. Oh, servants of Allah, help me. Imam Ahmed acted upon it. And there was another one for lost animals, right? Ihbisu. Imam Nawi talks about it. And it's in his book, Al-Afkar. Is there anyone going to be more orthodox than Imam Nawi? And he has this, and he says, he saw it and he did it. He actually acted upon it. When his animal was going away, he says, Ya ibad Allah, ihbisu. Oh, servants of Allah, stop this animal. And it stopped in its tracks, he said. And then I was able to go and get its reins. So asking people for help is never shirk. Whether or not it is um, something you see or not is irrelevant. Halawite says, can we break the fast according to our local Masjid Maghrib event time? Yes, you can. The, the, the Mu'adhin is in the position of Imam. And he is mu'taman, he is entrusted by keeping the time for the rest of the ummah. If you were to start a business, it has to be a Muslim swag store, lol. Yeah, that, that would be fun. That would be fun. It would be so much better if there were more Muslims. Probably it would do really well in England, maybe. Uh, what dua should one make for ease in getting married? Go to the YouTube video on Safina Saadi, the dua of getting married that's our number one youtube video of all time uh because it's uh, mona says if you have a stock portfolio that is in the red do you pay zakat on that amount invested you pay zakat on the if it's in the red that means you're basically you lost money on it um amount of money that you've had in that stock if it's been consistently for a year over the nisab then you, that's what you owe zakat on. Iftar in 15. Oh, I guess they're in England. That's why. Yeah, we are ending very soon. If one has many silver rings, how to calculate zakat? There's no zakat on jewelry. Should zakat be calculated as ca on cash as well or on silver and gold? On cash too? Yes, on cash. Is severing ties with friends haram or does it only apply to family? We don't sever ties with another Muslim, but you can, except if that Muslim becomes a public sinner or a heretic, then you sever ties with them. Unless that person is harming you, then you are allowed to avoid harm. You are allowed to avoid harm. So you don't. I don't intend to cut ties from him, but I'm avoiding his harm. That's it. What are your thoughts of studying Tarim Yemen? If you can do it, do it. May I please have the link to the lecture? Quick, easy, go to Safina Saidi's YouTube channel and you'll find all the nothing but facts there. And we have a whole playlist called Nothing But Facts. And on Instagram, it'll be saved on the profile. What's the best way to show gratitude to Allah? Help other people. Memorize the Quran out of respect for Allah or do some acts of worship every day out of thankfulness to Allah and help other people. That's the best way. Brian, what do you got? Take two more, inshallah. Okay, we got a technical one from Thomas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm reading more on the zakah and 401k. Mm -hmm. Some are considering it as a productive asset since the goal is for the stocks to increase. So you would only pay 10% zakah on capital gains. Thoughts on that? Um, 
I don't want to open up that right now without my resources. Okay. To be honest, because this is one of those questions that comes up uh, every once in a while. So um, let me uh, see what Sheikh Taha says about it. Okay. Thomas, uh, he's around. Yeah. We'll answer him, inshallah. Okay. Anything else? Yes, from Tosif. He says, I used to follow certain Sunni scholars, but recent fatwa against their beliefs have made me rethink about listening to them. What about their past lectures? Um, this type, if a scholar becomes corrupted, let's say, hypothetically, and who are we to judge? But sometimes we can't judge, right? If a scholar goes corrupt, he just goes crazy, right? Uh, what you can take from him is his past technical knowledge, not his past spiritual advice. Nothing from him, from his spiritual advice, would you necessarily go by. Um, but you can still take from their technical knowledge. So sometimes someone is technically, they know the sources very well. And that's a corruption that if it's a mistake, but if it's, let's say, a consistent corruption, then we, we wouldn't keep their company at all, whether that be by videos or books. Like a consistent state of corruption versus just a mistake. I don't know if that makes any sense to, to, to people, but uh, that's the idea. If they're in a consistent state of corruption, then you don't need to keep their company at all. But you can still read their old technical books. Like someone wrote a technical book on usul and the scholars praised it and it's a great book. You can still read that. But what they're advising on spirituality and day-to-day living, then probably not. What is the meaning of that? It is the meaning of that is to expose yourself to the breezes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which are the gatherings of dhikr and sakina and knowledge and ilm. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let us live and die upon such gatherings. And may Allah ta'ala uh, keep us in the khidmah of the ummah and keep us with good suhbah and keep us uh, in a state of uh, of ibadah at all times and a state of rida of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all times and may Allah forgive us all of our sins and our errors and may Allah accept this fast from uh, from you and from uh, from us and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let us stand for qiyam and tahajjud and recite his book all throughout this month in the manner that most pleases him and is accepted to him or by him wa sallallahu wa baraka ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam alhamdulillah